Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock All right, you guys, give me a minute. I'm out of breath. What happened? <laughs> Forgot my headphones. You see me sprint out of here? I just thought you had diarrhea. <laughs> Diarrhea. I forgot my headphones during Matt's traffic, and I just sprinted up and down the hallway to get them, and now I'm like, uh, impeachment articles are being finalized. Haven't seen you run that fast since we were told there were free donuts in the kitchen. (laughs) Okay. That's enough. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer. Um, Impeachment articles finalized against DHS Secretary Alejandro, Alejandro Mayorkas. Where are we at with this? So if you're somebody that feels like he has broken a law, then impeachment is the right move because there's a debate on whether or not openly violating the Constitution is breaking the law because impeachment is supposed to be used for uh, high crimes and misdemeanors. Did Alejandro Mayorkas commit any of those by giving a middle finger to the Constitution and not securing the homeland? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think he, he definitely is dereliction of duty. Um, he's not doing his job as DHS secretary, but ultimately he's working at the behest of the president of the United States. Right. So the question becomes, did he break the law or is he just bad at his job? Because impeachment And anybody that watched Donald Trump go through this should know that it should only be used for high crimes and misdemeanors. Bill Clinton was impeached, but it wasn't because he was having relations with Monica Lewinsky. It was because he lied under oath. They got him for that. So that's the question. There's no doubt this guy's a total zero. There is no doubt in my mind this guy is one of the most unqualified people in a position of power in this country. Definitely part of the problem when it comes to the southern border, for sure. But is that impeachment worthy? Is violating the Constitution worthy of impeachment based on what the rules of impeachment are supposed to be? Now, Mayorkas penned a very strongly worded letter uh, to the House today. Quote, I assure you that your false accusations do not rattle me and do not divert me from the law enforcement and broader policies that we are trying to do. This is a public service mission to which I've devoted most of my career and to which I remain devoted. Blah, blah, blah. That was the strongly worded letter to the House Homeland Security Committee Chairman, Mark Green. You sit there and, and lie in front of Congress when you say the border is secure. I mean, he's on record. Yeah, no, no the border is secure. The border is not. It's the complete opposite of secure. Right. 900,000 encounters with Border Patrol from October through December of 2023. Who knows how many gotaways? Now, no. if you have him under oath saying the border is secure... But the border's not secure, and he's openly violating what he's supposed to be doing. Now we got a ball game. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, that argument is a matter of opinion, I would think, even though the opinion strongly, I believe, leans in our favor. 
when we're talking about an unsecure border, but some could argue it's an opinion. That's true. There's a lot of legal stuff involved here, but I think the data... More so than opinion, the data shows what's really going on. The amount of encounters, the amount of folks on the terror watch list, the fact they don't know where a lot of these people are at. Uh, Let's hear from the chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, uh, Tennessee's Mark Green. Today is a grave day. We have not approached this day or this process lightly. Secretary Mayorkas' actions have forced our hand. We cannot allow this border crisis to continue. We cannot allow fentanyl to flood across our border, our criminals to waltz in undeterred. And we cannot allow a cabinet secretary with no regard for the separation of powers or the rule of law to remain in office. That is why today we present this committee with the articles of impeachment against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Now, Try not to laugh. (laughs) Try not to laugh as the House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries, offers his perspective on not only Mayorkas, but what the Republicans versus the Democrats are doing in regards to securing America. What we see from our Republican colleagues time and time again is the exact opposite. They do nothing but put politics over people. The do-nothing Republican Congress has no bottom. They have no vision. They have no track record. And they have made no progress for the American people. Extreme MAGA Republicans have done nothing about the economy, nothing about inflation, nothing about housing, nothing about health care, and nothing about public safety. Oh, come on. They are endeavoring to do with respect to this sham impeachment is to run away from their do-nothing extreme record and try to distract the American people with this political stunt. Rest assured, everything you just heard right there from this Democrat, and Democrats in general, whatever they're accusing the Republicans of doing, they're doing it themselves and have done themselves. You might as well have just been talking about the, the the Democrats during the Trump administration. The only thing that may have been remotely close to being true is how the Republican House hasn't really done anything. They've got a small majority. They've been a lot of infighting. And he's right. The Republican House hasn't really done anything. But all the other power lies with the Democrats. And even before the last midterm election, it was a Democrat president, a Democrat Senate, and a Democrat House. And the crime situation, that's the one part of that statement that really just bothers me the most. Don't do a victory lap on crime, because when you look at what happens in major cities, which are predominantly led by Democrats, look at the crime that takes place there. Look at Chicago, look at San Francisco, look at New York, and yes, look right here in Indianapolis. That's laughable. Uh, The latest on the situation with Iran, Joe Biden speaking earlier today, uh, it was kind of his version of a chopper presser. So you might hear Marine One in the background of some of these clips. Uh, But Joe Biden says he's not looking for a wider war. I don't think we need a wider war in the Middle East. That's not what I'm looking for. I'd rather hear... uh, Look, Iran is not scared of us. I'd rather hear something along the lines of all options are on the table. That might put a little scare into them. 
Right. But saying, oh, I don't I don't want war. Oh, no, 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 no. You guys are misunderstanding. We don't we just had three American troops killed, but I I don't want to expand this conflict. But the thing is at this point, even if Joe Biden comes out and says that, do you think Iran yeah, buys well, that's it? That's the point. Yeah. That's the thing. They bought it when Donald Trump said it. Uh, Speaking of those three Americans that lost their lives, Joe Biden was asked if Iran is responsible for their deaths. I do hold responsible in the sense of supplying the weapons to the people who did it. So, again, he says Iran is responsible for supplying the weapons to those who did it, which is accurate. But ultimately, that doesn't scare Iran. That doesn't make them want to stop doing what they're doing, statements like that. Um, Earlier today, one of the parents of those three Americans um, joined Fox News this morning, and this was a tough watch. Like, thinking about it chokes me up just a little bit today because I can't even imagine the grief that this family is going through. Uh, Specialist Kennedy Layden Sanders of Georgia was killed in that attack in Jordan and the father Sean Sanders Mm. joined Fox today to talk about his daughter. She enjoyed life. Um, She was very competitive. Um, She was goal oriented and she loved the service. She loved serving our country. Um, And you know I just miss her right now. This morning has been tough for me. Seeing a grieving father on television just saying, I miss her. I miss her right now. That was a powerful moment this morning. Uh, Meanwhile, over at MSNBC, sounds like Joy Reid is not all in on the United States starting a war with Iran. Really? We know this because of a hot microphone. (laughs) Yeah. I want you to listen to this. So, Joy Reid's talking on MSNBC, and she goes into a clip of Joe Biden speaking. But then in the background, you're going to (laughs) hear what Joy Reid thinks about Joe Biden's plan. Over the weekend, President Biden said he's ready to take action if Congress is serious about solving the border issue. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. And Congress needs to get it done. Starting another f***ing war. (laughs) (laughs) Did you catch that? (laughs) He's starting another bleeping war. The one thing thing I've uh, agreed with this leftist race-baiting lunatic, (laughs) the only time I've agreed with her. And it wasn't unnoticed because at the end of that broadcast, she had to do the half-assed apology. Oh, no. Before we go, I just want to apologize very quickly. Uh, I was chatting during a clip that was playing, um, and you know we try to keep this show very PG-13, so I just want to apologize to anyone who was listening to my behind-the-scenes chatter. Uh, deeply, deeply apologize for that, because you know it's PG-13 up around here. How do you—I mean, you're a professional broadcaster. You may disagree with every— inch of what she believes in her politics but you're a pro making millions of dollars how do you know that like when you're doing a live show and you've got a potential hot um, you, the microphone's attached to you right like a love love they call them what lavalier yeah a little love mic how do you not know not to make that mistake and it wasn't like that sound bite from joe biden was super long it was a couple seconds yeah. and she's coming right back you can't be that stupid But then again, I looked who said it, so it kind of makes sense. Which brings us to great moments in hot mic history. The gold standard for somebody that's unaware that they're live on television 
Ken Delinian of NBC <laughs> News. How the Trump administration is handling the transition with the incoming Biden team or not handling it, we should say, to a certain extent. This time it involves our intelligence community. Uh, Ken, what have you learned, sir? Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, I think we lost I think we lost Ken for a second. We'll try to get him back. Great uh, moments and yeah. hot mic history. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Have you seen the trailer for this uh, new documentary on Netflix about the making of that song, We Are the World? No. With all the different... um, musical artists it's it looks pretty intriguing i want to watch it because i mean that was an iconic cultural moment back in the 80s we are the world and um and you know so many from cindy lopper to michael jackson uh to bob dylan to willie nelson bob dylan in that video was the best because he was just so lost and (laughs) just kind of nodding his head dozens and dozens of of huge musical stars uh were part of this quincy jones Famous um, um, Hollywood musical producer produced some of Michael Jackson's biggest albums. When he was, he's the one that produced "We Are the World," and so this new documentary has a part of an interview where Quincy says Michael Jackson originally did not want to be on the record. First, Michael didn't want to sing or be on the video. He thought it was overexposure at first. And I talked Michael into being on the date, you know. That would have been one of the biggest mistakes in his career if he hadn't showed up. We are the world. But uh, he was there, man. We are the children. He was more than there. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start giving. How did it sound? Sounds great, man. Yeah, it sounded like a 13-year-old girl singing the song. Uh, <laughs> and you want to know what huge artist declined to participate in We Are the World? A little trivia here for you. Who's that? Prince. Really? Prince had just beaten Michael Jackson that night uh, because they all got together after the American Music Awards to record the song, right? So Prince didn't even show up. Prince did not. For, he was invited. For he just yes. didn't show up. Also, when they recorded We Are the World, all the artists got a demo in advance. And some of them didn't think it was a very good song. It was recorded, uh, again, right after the American Music Awards, and Cindy Lauper didn't want to do it. Backstage, Cindy Lauper came over to me and said, my boyfriend heard the song. I'm not going to be able to come because he doesn't think it's a hit. Well, nobody knew. It certainly was a group of great people, but I was so punch-drunk tired. Well, it's some year, huh? And after the show, it was like, all right, you have to just go there. And I said, Cindy, it's pretty important for you to make the right decision. Don't miss the session tonight. One of the other little trivia tidbits, Cindy Lauper was picked over Madonna. It was, came down to Cindy Lauper and Madonna, and the producers ultimately thought Cindy Lauper had a stronger voice at that time. 
You know what? I never even realized that if you think about the biggest stars of that era when they made that song, yeah, Prince and Madonna both were not yeah. a part of that. Just one one more thing on this documentary. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks pretty good. So during the recording, We Are the World, there was only one artist who actually walked out, got up and walked out during the recording. Said, screw them kids. Yes. I here's, hope they star. Here's Lionel Richie and a videographer explaining what happened when Stevie Wonder took the took the session on a sudden Ford language turn, and it's they're talking about w- w- Waylon Jennings walking off the riser in the middle of the whole thing. Listen. Stevie said, I think we need to have some Swahili somewhere in this song. <laughs> I think we should sing Tutu Why No No Willie Moingo. I was back in the corner of the room, just happened to be pretty close to Waylon Jennings, and well, ain't no good old boy ever sung Swahili. I think I'm out of here. <laughs> Waylon walks out of the door. I'm not dealing with it. I don't know what that means, but I am not going to say that we lost Waylon right there. Oh, wow. Waylon I- Jennings didn't sign up for Swahili. <laughs> No, no, no. Steve, I, I love how Stevie Wonder suggested, now we, we need to have a Swahili part in there. And Waylon Jennings like throws up his hands. Yeah, no good old boy ever sang no Swahili. <laughs> I love it. Would have loved to have seen the reaction from some of the other folks in that room. <laughs> like prime 1985 Bruce Springsteen. Sure. Are you going to teach him to sing that line in Swahili? I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Where's this at? Netflix? Yeah, I think or... you can get on Netflix, yeah. Okay, I'll check that out. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. So yesterday we had the news that the defense team of Richard Allen filed again to have Judge Fran Gull removed from the case. It's the Delphi murders and trial that is uh, forthcoming. Last night, more drama, Hammer. The Carroll County prosecutor filed a motion saying Richard Allen's lawyers should be found in contempt of court. So basically, it's each side here, the defense and the prosecution, pointing fingers at each other, and that's basically how this is going to go down until the trial starts. Get used to it. This is a mess. Now, the prosecutor in Carroll County, it's a guy by the name of Nick McClellan, he listed... 25 different reasons why he believes the judge, Fran Gull, should be holding the attorneys in contempt, the defense attorneys. They're accusing Rozzy and Baldwin of violating the gag order that was put in place uh, when they were Allen's representation the first time around. And since then, that leak happened where the photos of the crime scene leaked out of their office. Now, sounds like they did not do it, but someone that used to have access to their office leaked those out. They talked about it. They were doing interviews about it. And now the prosecutor in Carroll County is saying that's one of the reasons, probably the biggest, that these guys need to be held in contempt. Man, this, this judge better get things together. You know, it better start laying the hammer down. And, and, you know... (laughs) look at both the prosecution and the defense and say, hey, enough. Gag order on everybody. I don't want to hear a single word out of you guys until this trial starts. And if you've got a question about something, you file the paperwork and we're going to do the proper channels. But I don't want to hear anything else. No more interviews. No more bitching and moaning and back and forth because families are involved here. Oh, yeah. You've got two families who lost their innocent girls, and then you've got the family of 
Richard Allen. Now, say what you want about Richard Allen, but there are a number of people that feel like the charges are incorrect on him. So there's a lot of legal stuff to be played out here. And if I'm Judge Fran Goal, I want everybody just to shut the hell up quick as possible. Um, you know who Corey Bush is, right? She's oh, kind big, of a uh, big defend def- defund the policer. Yeah. From, uh, Congressman out of Missouri, right? She was like the squad next generation. Like, remember, they had a Revenge of the Nerds, and then they had, like, a next generation of nerds. <laughs> Cori Bush was that next generation. She wasn't part of the original crew, but she was a squad wannabe. So she tried to be as outlandish as possible, as anti-police as possible, sure. to try to fit in with AOC and Ilhan Omar and Ayanna Presley and the Good Time Party Girls. Well, now... Little Miss Defund the Police is being criminally investigated by Joe Biden's Department of Justice for misuse of funds. And I'll give you a dollar, Nige, if you can guess where those funds went. Mm. Keep in mind, she's very anti-police. She's defund the police. mm. How about... Private security? Private security. You're kidding me. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, the House announced yesterday that the sergeant at arms has been subpoenaed and was cooperating with the Department of Justice. And the Department of Justice was seeking spending records as part of this probe. The spending records they're seeking are in relation to the alleged misspending of security money. Oh, by the way, uh, guess who she wound up marrying? Hmm. Would it be somebody in the world of security? Her bodyguard. Huh. How about that? Giving all this money to her bodyguards for security. She was uh, in a romantic relationship with one of them and ended up marrying them. Hmm. We call that pulling a Fanny Willis these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, she's saying that, quote, right wing organizations have lodged basic complaints against me. Um, saying that she misused campaign funds to pay for personal security. Kind of looks like you did. Right. And, and by the way, when you say left-wing groups, this is a just a, just a Joe Biden's Justice Department. That is correct. That is, that 100%. is open to the investigation. It's not like a right-wing con- congressional committee hearing or something like that. And if you're going to sit there and do connect the dots and follow the receipts and follow the paper trail, that's one thing. But just you know, on the outside looking in, how are you going to be the mascot for defund the police? <laughs> you and Ilhan Omar, and then everything that you're involved in involves police and security. <laughs> like you're banging a security officer, you're having a scandal about paying, you know, these folks to do private security. If you were missed defund the police, you should be out there walking amongst the masses, free with no. your chest out, your arms up in the air like Ice Cube and Boys in the Hood. Do we have a problem <laughs> here? But no, that's not what's happening. The first people to hire security and call the police are these lunatics that say defund the police. Uh, we got some more legal stuff, and i got to be honest, I did not see this one coming. I did not expect former NBA star Rajon Rondo to get arrested in Seymour, Indiana. I'm sorry? Rajon Rondo uh, played his college ball at Kentucky, uh, probably best known for his time in the Celtics in the NBA. Yeah. Arrested in Seymour on a firearm and drug charge after a trooper smelled marijuana Marijuana. uh, coming from the vehicle. 
the two-time NBA champion, is not allowed to possess a gun due to a previous protective order filed against him by his former girlfriend. Yeah, you get into the weeds of this story and his past and what he was accused of and charged with in terms of like domestic. Like he scared his girlfriend, his kids, uh, brandished a gun, I believe is what some of these charges are reporting. A, a lot, of, I think some of them got dropped, but yeah, apparently he's not allowed to possess a gun. And then I did not have, yeah, Rajon Rondo <laughs> getting arrested for weed in Seymour, Indiana on the bingo card there. Of course, he, I'm sure he lives in Louisville. Right. So Played his college ball in the state of Kentucky. Uh Again, great point guard. He was phenomenal at Kentucky, came out, won a couple championships, part of that Boston Celtics squad. But uh, now he's up to no good running around the streets of Seymour, Indiana. (laughs) So we have got tickets. Train band you hear in the background here. They are coming with Ario Speedwagon and Yacht Rock Review. Ruoff Music Center on July 10th. Caller number nine was Jenny. Jenny, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you? Jenny. Exactly. I get that a lot. Thanks, Nigel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where are you calling us from? Jenny, where are you from? Um, Franklin Township area. Okay, I was really hoping you were going to say the block right there, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, here's how it's going to work. We're going to play a little game called Train, Bane, or Famous for Cocaine. I'm going to read a statement. It will either be a statement that you would hear from the band Train, or a statement you would hear from Batman villain Bane, or a statement you would hear from somebody that's battled cocaine. You get three out of five, we're going to give you the tickets, okay? Sure. All right. Train Bane or Famous for Cocaine. I'm going to put on a mask and terrorize Gotham City. <laughs> Train Bane or Famous for Cocaine. Um, that's a hard one. I think I'm going to go Bane. Bane Good works. Choice, Bane Jenny. works. One for one. Here we go. We got to get two more. <laughs> now that she's back in the atmosphere with drops of Jupiter in her hair. Train Bane or Famous for Cocaine. Yay! <laughs> I'll take that as train. Yes, that's correct. Unless Bane has a singing voice that I wasn't aware of. All right, get this one correct. We're going to throw a party, and we're going to give you the tickets, okay? Cool. Train Bane or Famous for Cocaine? My dad is the president, and I hooked up with my dead brother's widow. <laughs> I was hoping that you would go there. Um, I believe that would be um, the infamous Hunter Biden. Cocaine. Yes, yeah, that's correct. Here we go. I may not be a smart man, but I do know what love is. How many yeah. times do you hear these Forrest Gump references, Jenny, Jenny? Be honest. Well, I just got off a cruise, and believe you me, by the end of that cruise, I was... Uh, full-on Forrest Gump mode. <laughs> I get it. I get it. The first time I usually meet somebody and I introduce myself, because Hammer really is my last name. Hey, are you related to MC? <laughs> no, I, I'm not. <laughs> Haven't heard that one yet, but no, thank you. Uh, Jenny, stay on the line. Allison's going to take care of you. You got the tickets, okay? Thanks, guys. Question real quick. Ario Speedwagon, right? Yes. Ario Speedwagon train and uh, the... Yacht Rock Yacht, Review. Okay. Ario Speedwagon's signature song. Got to be Can't Fight This Feeling, right? 
can't fight this feeling. I would think so. Keep on loving you. Oh man. Those are the big two. I'm partial to riding the storm out. I am too. Take it on the run. Oh, come on. Don't do this to me. Roll with the changes. (sighs) Hammer. Can't fight this feeling. Final answer. Okay. All right. Can't fight the feeling. So if you went down to Monument Circle and you did a family feud style survey and you asked 100 random people, name a song from REO Speedwagon, what do you think the number one answer would be? Can't fight this feeling. That's what I'm saying as well. Hit us up on social media at Hammer and Nigel. Let us know what you think. Now, whenever we ask this question, this isn't about what your favorite song is. It's about what do you think most people would say if you asked them the question? Because there's always going to be somebody that says, well, I like the B-side they released in 1973 <laughs> where you just hear them you know, moaning for three minutes. Well, okay, good for you. But if you were part of a survey and said, what song is best known with REO Speedwagon, go, I would say it's Can't Fight This Feeling. Let's see. REO Speedwagon has sold more than 40 million records and charted 13 top 40 hits. Uh, I just don't have the list in front of me. Of where some of those hits landed in terms of um, you know the charts, I don't know right. how many number one songs has REO Speedwagon had. I don't know. And if anybody's really bored at home, <laughs> research the uh, the iTunes sales. Like, because let's be honest, these songs haven't been out for a while. Like, what song has been downloaded the most from REO Speedwagon? Maybe if somebody's got a little spare time, or you know, you're just you know up all night long. Let us know that answer. I think it's Can't Fight This Feeling. Uh, A Rhode Island man played video games for 24 straight hours to raise money for a children's hospital. This is the 13th year in a row that this guy, his name is Adam, has pulled this off. And he hit $100,000 in donation money this year. Here he is talking about playing video games for a good cause. I play all kinds of games. Um, so most of the games are on my computer, my PC. This is my 13th straight year doing Extra Life. I've gone to the hospital myself. I've brought my kids there for treatment uh, for one thing or another. Um, and uh, just recently, I've really gotten to learn a lot about the hospital and all the, the wonderful things that they're doing for the kids. I almost cried on stream. It was just, it was just wonderful to see, to recognize that so many people open their hearts and open their wallets and, and made a donation. See, video games can be a good thing. Yeah. And trust me, if there's anybody I know that could sit in front of a computer and play Fortnite for 24 hours, it's my son, <laughs> my 12-year-old son. No question he could raise this kind of money. I mean, yeah, great great story, great news, but I think the real story is here, games, video games are good for kids. Yes, 100%. <laughs> a, they help others, as a matter of fact. Here's an impression of my son sitting in his uh, room playing Fortnite with the headset on, and he can talk to his buddies, right? Hey! Hacker! Hacker! I just sent you to the lobby! Oh, yeah! Those are the kinds. I I swear, I don't. They don't make any sense. Sometimes he's not saying any words. Sometimes he just goes. Like I would imagine, like SEAL Team Six was not that intense when they were going in for the Bin Laden raid. That sounds pretty amazing. That's pretty intense. I kind of want to check it out sometime. Oh yeah, and he will watch these guys on YouTube play as well. Oh, that's a thing. Yeah, kids watching other kids play video games is a total. I don't get it. Thing. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! here's the question. When did your president, old presidential poopy pants, Joe Biden, become such a border hawk? He's out here spouting about he wants to shut down the border. But I can remember, I'm old enough to remember Hammer, Biden using all the woke tools in his arsenal to ensure as many illegals cross the border as possible when he became president, ended Title 42, doing everything he can to uh, end the Remain in Mexico policy. Uh, It started with the wall, and it just had a severe trickle-down effect, which led to millions and millions of illegal border crossers during his time as president. But now all of a sudden his tune has changed a little bit. Strange. Take a listen to Joe Biden speaking a little bit earlier about the situation at the border. I've done all I can do. Give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got in off. Give me the border patrol. Give me the people, give me the people, the judges. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work right. So Joe Biden speaking there doing a chopper presser, which I got to be honest, I was a little surprised that he was actually answering questions. Done all I can do. Says that I need the power. You're the president of the United States. You've got as much power as anybody can have. Well, he signed, you know, upwards of 100 executive orders when he became president of the United States, decimating border security. And it shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody. He campaigned on it. He promised he was going to get rid of that evil, racist wall. And now he's out here throwing his hands up. Well, I've done everything I can. What do you want me to do about it? It's such an unbelievable flip-flop. Just a couple days ago, he was out there, I mean, actively saying, I'm going to shut down the border if I get what I want. If I get my wish list of this bill, I want to shut down the border. Saying that he's done all he can, like... This is unbelievable. Let's hear from Joe Biden one more time. They'll also give me as president the emergency authority to shut down the border until it could get back under control. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. Remember when it was racist to say you were going to shut down the border? Remember those good old days? Seems like only yesterday, Xenophobic, racist. (laughs) Donald Trump talking about the wall. Oh, it's racist. The wall itself is racist. Now, all of a sudden, creeping up here uh, on an election when many, 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 many Democrats are complaining about the amount of illegal immigrants that are flowing through our border. Cities like Denver are collapsing because, uh, you know, in terms of shelter and health care because of... Uh, illegal immigration, and now he all of a sudden he wants to shut the border down. If you buy this for a second, you're a fool. Coming up at 5.30, we've got an amazing guest. His name is Chris Clem. Uh, you might have seen him on you know, Fox, and he does all these TV interviews. He was a 27-year veteran of working Border Patrol, and he put an op-ed out about how you can fix the border. Right now, if Joe Biden wanted to fix the border, it could be done. And yes, he has the power. He has the authority to do it. That conversation's coming up in just a little bit. But again, for a president that 
usually just goes on vacation or stays in his basement. I was surprised with as many big topics that are out there. They actually let him answer questions today at that chopper <laughs> presser. I miss the good old days of the chopper presser, don't you? The Trump chopper pressers were the best. The Donald Trump chopper pressers, especially when he had a hard time hearing somebody. Say it louder. You have to speak up. Speak up. up. You have to talk up. We have a helicopter. What do you say? I don't hear you. Can I what? Can I what? Do I what? Say it again. Louder. You're competing with a helicopter. Say it. 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 Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. My hearing is great, but you have a helicopter that's raging back there. Oh, man, I miss the old chopper presser. I love how Trump has to point out the fact that there actually is a helicopter right behind me, so you have to talk louder. And it's raging. <laughs> like five R's in the word raging. There's a helicopter back here, and it's raging. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Oh, uh, man, that one... Tears flowing out of tears flowing out of my eyes on that one. That was hilarious. Speaking of uh, <laughs> the old orange man, Donald Trump, E. Jean Carroll. Oh, this woman. The woman who was awarded eighty-three plus million dollars from a court last week against Donald Trump. You can tell that she's visibly shaken up about this whole situation, Nige. Really? She really. You know, she is acting like a victim should. She is being a champion of women's rights. And what I mean by that is the total opposite. Okay. She went on Rachel Maddow's program last night. And, you know, Rachel Maddow had the simple question of, what are you going to do for women's rights now that you got all this money from the court? And here's the victim, E. Jean Carroll. You've talked about using some of Trump's money you're about to get um, to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be, what that might look like? Yes, or- Rachel. Yes. Tell me. I had such such great ideas <laughs> for all the good I'm going to do with this money. First thing, Rachel, you and I are going to go shopping. We're going to get completely <laughs> new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? <laughs> it's yours. No. Is Rachel penthouse and uh, France? You want France? Yeah, you want boy. to go fishing in France? No. Oh. All right, all right, okay. That's a joke. Her lawyer is mortified. Yeah, her lawyer was the one that chimed in there at the very end. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> no, this like, whole thing is a joke. You are. You're, you're, she's right about that. This whole thing is an absolute joke. Boy, Eugene Carroll sounded awfully uh, downtrodden and affected by the the defamation. Of one uh, Donald Trump, the alleged defamation. I mean, she said. What was really the term that Donald Trump used uh, against her? The term that she decided to go to court and get eighty-three million dollars for? Oh, I believe a whack job. Whack job. Yeah. Eugene Carroll, whack job. Um, if you're looking for a reason to consume a beverage or two tonight, I've got two reasons for you. Happy 94th birthday to Gene Hackman. Oh man, I miss him. Gene Hackman, 94, man. He's still kicking. He's still awesome. The reason I say I miss him is because he hasn't been in a movie since 2004. Yeah. Welcome to Mooseport, I believe it was his last movie. He's been out of the public eye for, you know, almost 20 years now. He's almost old enough to be president of the United (laughs) States. (laughs) 
<laughs> Almost. 94 uh, years old. Um, so many great Gene Hackman movies. Hoosiers. Right. Like, to me, though, if you're going to talk about Gene Hackman, it's got to be Coach Dale from Hoosiers. Forget about the crowds. Yeah. The size of the school. They're fancy uniforms. And remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Everybody, slow clap. Get it going. Come on, baby. Allison, get in. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let me hear it! Come on, Matt Bear! Go, go, go! Here we go! I'm fired up now. Now I'm fired up. Um, if you need another reason to tip one back tonight, it's the 50th birthday of actor Christian Bale. Oh, excellent actor. Love him. One of my favorites. He was a good Batman. He was a phenomenal Batman. Uh, he was really good in that movie with Matt Damon, Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, yeah. Great Excellent film. Excellent movie. Uh, he was Dick Cheney in Vice. That's a really good movie, too. But when I think of Christian Bale, I think of one of the great celebrity meltdowns <laughs> no. of all time. Somebody captured him just screaming at somebody that walked across one of his shots at a movie set? Yeah. Take a listen. Am I going to walk around and rip your f- lights down in the middle of a scene? Then why the f- are you walking right through? Uh, da 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 like this in the background. What the f- is it with you? <laughs> Give me your f- answer. Oh, good for you. And how was it? <laughs> sake, man, you're amateur. Oh, good for you. Oh, la da 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 Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'm going to run some stories by you. You will be the one that breaks down all the information and then gives us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? Kanye West flipped out when a reporter from TMZ approached him on Hollywood Boulevard yesterday He grabbed this woman's cell phone while she was recording. Now, the audio we're about to play came from a different person's phone. And during this altercation, Kanye, who was wearing a black mask over his entire head, berated this TMZ reporter for asking about his wife. He went on to credit himself as a superhero. Hey, Kanye, people want to know if Bianca has her free will. Some people are saying you're controlling her. Would you think that you a white woman who could walk up on me like that and ask me some dumb like that? Asking me about my wife, talking about does she got free will? Are you crazy? You ain't saying this is America. You got free will? You running for TMZ company? I'm a legend. You understand that? I'm here to support Charlie Wilson. You come ask me some dumb about my wife. That's about wife. You understand what I'm saying? No, tell me. Was it wrong for you to ask me, was that wrong or right? I'm sorry, Connie. I just need my phone. No, no. Answer the question. I'm supposed to answer your questions? Answer that question. I got your phone out. They going to arrest me for taking your phone? Arrest me for taking your phone in. I don't... You answer the question. You ask me, did my wife have free will? Was that a dumb, disrespectful question to come ask a grown superhero? 
What is your first and last name and address? What, what are we doing? I just need my phone. I'll pay you double what they paying you. Woo! Uh, now you smiling. Get a contact. Yes, I will. I will. Thank you, Kanye. Uh, yeah, that's something I think that's um, an indication of what Kanye West is really like. And yes, he's probably, you know, I don't think his wife has free will at all. Whoever this, what's his wife's name? Bianca? Is that her name? Um, I think he's crazy. I think he's a lunatic. He's deranged. What's with the black mask that he wears that, that full, like, over his face? Is that the superhero thing he's talking about? <laughs> is he black man? I like, mean, is that the superhero he's going for? I mean, talk about racist. You, what, you think you're a white woman and you could just walk up on me? You're, she's from TMZ. She's supposed to ask you those questions. Um, I think he's uh, definitely an anti-Semite, and he's crazy. He's just an absolute lunatic, and that's all. I mean, I think the way he treated that reporter is probably a good indication of how he treats a lot of his family members. Great moments in Kanye West history. Back when I was working at the casino in Shelbyville, yeah. uh, we would have live bands come in on the weekends, and a lot of them are cover bands, right? Uh, one of the bands that reached out to us was a Kanye West cover band called Kanye East. True story. <laughs> very original. True story. Oh, very creative. Did you book them? We did not uh, book Kanye uh, East. We booked Mini Kiss. <laughs> Is this anything? That's right. A Domino's pizza delivery driver in Colorado was caught on camera stealing a package after dropping off a pizza. Here's the Here, victim. You. <laughs> Here's the victim, uh, Anthony, talking about getting his package ripped off by the pizza guy. It made me very nervous. and kind of tell that he was truly trying to see what else was available. We've had other incidences here where things weren't clear on the camera, but this was pretty clear. Perhaps there's desperate and whatever, but at the same time, there's right and there's wrong, and this is not right. It could really do some, some harm to people, and it could harm our overall community if this is something that isn't stopped or people aren't aware. I love how this person uses the, the excuse, well, maybe he was desperate. Come on, there's no excuse for that. I mean, it's the same people that are saying that, you know, people that are robbing um, CVSs and Walgreens and drugstores. Well, they're just desperate. They're, they're, they're hungry. They need food. Well, no. If you're, if you're desperate for food and you're a pizza driver, <laughs> if you're a pizza delivery man, just take the pizza. Yeah. Leave the package on the doorstep. That's Make yourself dumb. something at work. <laughs> There's no way you can justify I mean, that this. Suck. Have you ever had anything stolen off your front porch? Like Man, I don't, probably, because my wife orders stuff every day. Like, every day I come home and there's like a pyramid in front of my door. So, I would imagine at some point, yes, but I don't ben, know about it. how stupid are you as, as a thief if you're going to drop off a pizza as a pizza delivery driver and then pick up the package? You can tell they have a ring doorbell. You're on camera, dude. Right. It shouldn't be too hard to find this guy and recover the package. I'm sure he'll get right out of jail. I'm sure <laughs> right. it's Colorado. There's probably cashless bail. Not going to be you charged know. with no, anything no, 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 no. in regards to this. It wasn't a big enough heist. No, maybe he was desperate. <laughs> then eat the pizza. <laughs> eat the pizza. Have like one of your buddies at work make you an extra one. Say you screwed it up. Come up with a scheme that way. Don't rip off like this chick's blouse or whatever that got dropped <laughs> off at the door. Idiot. Is this anything?
You may have seen this, but a cop in Oklahoma pulled someone over on the highway this month. Oh, 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 I just posted this on Facebook. Yes. Keep and going. he was talking to them through the oh. passenger side window when an SUV plowed into their car at full speed. I don't know how anybody, if he would have been on the other side, if he would have been on the driver's side, he'd be dead. He would have been obliterated. This guy, this car came out of nowhere. And it wasn't like he just sideswiped it. It, 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 this, whoever this distracted driver was, I mean, basically T-boned him on the side of the road, sent the officer flying, and uh, I believe the other, the car that he had pulled over had flipped over now. Uh, go to Facebook.com slash Hammer Nigel and watch that footage. You'll, you'll say to yourself, how did anybody survive this accident? Man, that's... Are you watching uh, it? Uh, that's, that's a beaut. <laughs> that's wow. a beaut. Wow. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. You can find him on social media at Indy Spanglish. He's also a fill-in host here at 93 WIBC. Jerry Lopez joins us. Jerry, you attended this gubernatorial forum like a week ago where some of the folks trying to become the new governor of Indiana were there and everybody's shaking hands and playing grab ass. You were there. <laughs> Take me through what happened. Yeah, yeah, I was there. So it was at the Tarkington Theater there in Carmel by the uh, the Palladium, and uh, we had all the candidates. So we had Braun, Chambers, Couch, Doden, and Hill were on attendance. And wow. what they they called this basically it was a forum. It wasn't really a debate. Um, so you had them lined up, and they were lined up in alphabetical order by last name. And that's when you really realize we have nobody running for governor that, who has a name later than H, right? So this is a little <laughs> weird. They're all right there in the front, right? Okay, okay. Um, but so they started. Braun answered the first question, and then Chambers. Chambers, then Couch, then Doden, then Hill. And then the next question would start with Chambers, and it would go to where uh, Braun would be the last one. And and it really wasn't uh, it wasn't that big of a deal. I, there was somebody else that mentioned if this was a boxing match, they thought Hill won every single round. I would, wow. say, the most, I would say the most interesting question that was asked was about DEI. And out of all the candidates, I think Hill was the only one that came out and immediately said he would get rid of DEI at the state level uh, at day one. The rest of them kind of tiptoed around it or insinuated that's what they were going to do, but nobody came clear out and said it like like he did. So, were there any clear, discernible differences between the candidates? I mean, besides that that one specific point you mentioned about DEI, I mean, they're all pretty much the same person. Exactly. They're, they're, they all feel like they're kind of the same person. The, the one standout, and it was kind of funny for me to see, was to see uh, the, the Lieutenant Governor Couch or Crouch um, come out and say that she was against a lot of the mandates that she was actually in the administration that put in place, right? So right. she had to come out and say, well, I would never mask up or close schools. And I'm going, well, you were part of the administration <laughs> that just did that. I don't understand. So nobody really called her out on that. Um, but, you know, we have two businessmen with 
whether it's Doden and Chambers, and they're really focused on business development, right? Or you have Hill, who's coming in kind of as the lawman, right? Um, so those are kind of the differences, but they all seem kind of the same. Did, did you guys see where uh, where Braun just got bankrolled a million from a mega donor in Illinois? Whoa, no. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of the money, and that's what I was going to ask next to you, Jerry. Like, I think Braun is the front runner right now. Did he do anything or say anything at this event that would make people waver from believing that? No, no. I, I actually ran into Abdul there as well, and, and I was like, this is not very interesting. And he goes, these people come here and just want to leave without getting caught saying something. So it's, it was kind of dry. Chatting with Jerry Lopez, Indy Spanglish on uh, social media. One more thing about this event, and then we'll move on. Were there any crowd reactions, or was this not that type of event? There were a couple crowd reactions. Once again, they were they were on the hillside, I believe, because he was just he spoke a lot more freely. Especially the DEI one got a big crowd response, but it wasn't it wasn't a debate. Got your opponent uh, moment, kind of like I expected. Nobody called out the lieutenant governor for the mask mandates or the school closings, which would have been one of those moments. But it never showed up. What's your opinion on on Curtis Hill? I like him, and and I wouldn't mind seeing him become governor. But does he have a shot? I like him a lot. He's probably my favorite candidate. I don't know if he can raise enough money to win. Yeah. That's that's the issue, right? Like, Mike Braun is way ahead. Somebody sent out a flyer. It was actually put out by the Braun campaign, and they had the numbers at Braun at forty percent, Chambers at five, Crouch at or Couch at thirteen, Doden at three, Hill at six, and undecided at thirty. Wow, that's a lot so, of undecideds, though. That's a lot of undecided, but yeah. They have him, him when you've got that money, it. though, if you've got yep. that bankroll, you can barnstorm the state. You get your message out there. And, uh, yeah, I have to think that Braun is the front runner here. Hey, I wanted to ask you your personal opinion on something. Um, for those who don't know, you have served your country. You served in the United States military. As somebody who has defended our nation, what are you thinking right now in regards to the United States and Iran? Technically, it wasn't Iran that hit the United States, but they bankrolled it. They funded it. So where are you at? What should the United States do, in your opinion? Yeah, so the the attacks were carried out by the, what they call the um, Islamic State or Islamic Resistance in Iraq, which is actually an umbrella company. So you think Al Qaeda, and then they have all these little groups that are underneath it. That's the new the new one, Islamic Resistance in Iraq. It's it's bankrolled one hundred percent by Iran. Now we've been getting attacked now for the past couple of weeks. Al Assad Air Base. I was actually stationed there. It's in Ambar Province, Western Province, Iraq. It was one of the safest bases when I was in. Country wow. because it's surrounded by 90 miles of desert. We never got attacked. You could not roll up to that base without us seeing you for forever, right? There was not a, a suicide bomber going to drive up in a truck. You weren't going to get that close, right? So this now is missiles. So they got hit Drones. by a barrage. Uh, well, this is this is the first one. They got hit with a barrage of missiles at this air base and gave all these soldiers you know, uh, traumatic brain injuries. And then now they have the drone attack out there in Jordan. Same group. This is the second time this group has attacked us specifically, right? The the scary thing about this this drone attack is that they said there was a miscommunication in identifying enemy yeah. versus ally drones. So we just let it fly right through. So they saw it coming. They knew about yeah. it, but there was confusion they, as to whether it was it, it, it was a friendly or not. 
Yeah, it was, it was ours or theirs. So this drone hit the living quarters. Now, if you're not familiar with military living quarters, picture a container and you cut it in half. So a metal con- metal shipping container, you cut it in half, and on both those open sides, you now put up a fake window and a, and a door. You close it, and now you have two living quarters in that split-up shipping container. The living quarters area will just be rows and rows and rows of these containers. Okay, that's where we would all just live at. Some people are single, some people have roommates, but that's what they look like. This drone hit that area. Mm. Yeah, killed them in their sleep, right? Yeah, killed, killed three people in their sleep, a 46-year-old, 24-year-old, and 23-year-old. So what's the proper response here, Jerry? Well, the concern here is World War III, right? Like, So you can't just fly over and start bombing Iran. I don't think you can do that. But this is where you see factories blow up and nobody really knows who takes Right. You know, who takes that right? Was it us? Was it Israel? Those are the kind of things that happen in response to these. But there has to be a response. Well, I mean, there there's there's to. been attacks all over that area on military yep. installations since Hamas slaughtered a thousand innocent Israelis and took hostages on October 7th. And they're saying it's because we want you out of the region. And they want us out of the region. And it, it was a response to the war in Gaza. What has our response been to these hundreds of attacks since then? Um, like, what's been the standard United States response? I mean, the standard is usually you have a strong president who goes on the news and holds and tells Iran to them, their, their faces that they're going to ha- be responsible for this. We don't have that kind of president. Right. Which is why is now that is why all these things are happening right now. Right. Don't be surprised if China doesn't circle ta- Taiwan before the election. Right. Like now is the time to get it, because if Trump takes over, all this is over with. So grab the land you can now. And that's something we've been saying for a while, um, that any country that has beef with the United States, anybody that wants to get squirrely with the United States, put your big boy pants on, because between now and November, they're going to try to get away with as much as they can, just in case it's a change of leadership. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. I don't care where you stand on the, 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 the Russia-Ukraine thing, but it never would have happened if Donald Trump, Trump was president. right? Hey, these, attacks, these attacks probably wouldn't have happened if Donald Trump was president, because his response is what they fear. Yeah. Right, right. One more thing here, Jerry, before we let you go. Jerry Lopez with us. Uh, South Carolina primary. That's kind of the last stand of Nikki Haley, right? I know we've got Nevada before then, but Nikki Haley has already waved the white flag in Nevada. Her home state, South Carolina, she's talking now that even if she gets beat, but she's competitive, she's not dropping out. What do you think? well, what's competitive? For the, the polling from today shows Trump at 64 and her at 31. So it's getting doubled up competitive or losing by 30 points. Right? I don't, <laughs> good, I don't understand point. how she's going to try to get through that. At this point, you would have lost every single state, and now this is your state. Right? It, it, and, and now remember, in the next eight days, nine days, we're going to have the Supreme Court ruling on Trump being on the ballot or not. Right. right. So she's gonna. So they're going to say he can stay on the ballot. Now you lost by 30 points. Go home. <laughs> but it seems like there are still donors, big time donors, willing to keep this, you know, Washington generals of a campaign still alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes no sense. I think after the eighth, all that, all that's going to go away. All that's going to going to has to go away. Right now, see, the only point in staying in is if the Supreme Court says states can take him off. Then he, that's the only chance he has of being the the nominee. 
he is one of the great follows on social media, especially if you're interested in politics here in the state of Indiana. He's unfiltered. He tells you like it is. Jerry Lopez, at Indy Spanglish. Jerry, my man, have a great week. Hey, you too. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Caller Roulette works like this. Normally, in news talk radio... Someone who's the producer, like Allison, will screen out your phone call. They're going to find out what you want to talk about, and you'll wait on hold a little bit, and we will go to that subject. Here, we have no idea. No clue. We are walking into the lion's den. So, Allison, have that dump button ready, and all we ask (laughs) is if you're on hold right now, keep it short. Don't give us your life story. Keep it short. Give us your take. Keep it clean. Call a roulette. We're going to start with Matthew. Matthew, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How you doing? How you doing? Good. All right. I want to see if you guys would like to talk about Tony Katz's mugshot. (laughs) The guy from Southern Indiana. Wish TV had it. I saw that. (laughs) You posted that and you were like, guess who this is, right? Right. Right. And 95% of the responses was Tony Katz. (laughs) 100%. Look just like him. Tony has better hair. I'll admit it, though. I'll give him that. (laughs) Maybe he had a rough night, though. I don't know. He looked dead up like that guy. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, Thank you, guys. Uh, Justin, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. What do you want to talk about? Okay, earlier in the uh, last year, I won those tickets to Aerosmith. Obviously, the show was canceled. Do you think that old fart's ever going to make the show so I can see it? Are you talking about Stephen Todd? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I can't even sell them. They're promos. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be screwed there. Yeah. Well, they're doing a residency, aren't they? Aerosmith? Out in no. Vegas, yes, but not here in Indy. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm sorry, Justin. You may be SOL. Years, 75 years old. You know who won't be waiting for him to come back? A.J. Foyt. <laughs> Remember when Steven Tyler sang the national anthem at the Indy oh, 500? Yeah. Switched up the lyrics at the end. He started doing his Aerosmith thing, yeah. and A.J. Foyt had no part of it. Uh, Elvis. Elvis is here. Welcome oh. to the Hammer and Nigel show, Elvis. Good afternoon, gentlemen. What's up? Quick question for you. I remember in 87, we got tricked into getting the Hoosier lottery here because all the money was going towards the schools and the roads. And now we have this gas tax that's crazy that was never suspended during COVID. And the gas, it's in the roads are the worst they've ever been. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm sitting in front of a school that's been closed now. What, where's the money going from the lottery? Like we were having billion dollar lotteries now, but where, where's, how come the roads are the way they are? Especially with a surplus. Let me jump on this here because I know exactly how this works. Same thing with the sports betting money. It goes to what the state of Indiana calls the general fund. Now, the general fund is supposed to be a statewide kitty, if you will, where if you need to fix the swine barn at the fairgrounds or if a covered bridge needs to be fixed somewhere else in Indiana, that's what it's supposed to be for. But what it really is, is a slush fund for these politicians in Indiana to reward the people in their district and their big time donors and Uh. lobbyists for taking care of them. So if you're wanting this to go to schools and roads, oh, you kids and your drugs, (laughs) stay off of that. But if you're looking to uh, find out where the money really went, look for who the mover and shakers are of the Republican Party, and that's where they are sending the money. Bill, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, what's going on? Bill. Hey, 
So, Hammer, after after his performance at the X, how'd that snuffleupagus get a job sitting across the table from you? <laughs> well, I was... Uh, Is he I, talking about me? Yes, yes. Or you? You. Oh, you. me. I'm, yes. I'm, the, I'm snuffleupagus? Yes, correct. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, we started 30 the, seconds left here. Yeah, right? we did the podcast together That's after podcast. we were both out of radio for a little bit. And then that podcast, which is wildly popular, we were doing podcasts before people were doing podcasts. Well, we were doing it live at a, at a bar. Yeah. Coach's Tavern. Right. And we became popular doing that. We got the offer to go back to X103 for a little bit. Which we did. And then from there, we kind of came back here, yeah. and they groomed us to take over the afternoon drive. So up, I guess. That's harsh there you go wow if we didn't get to your call i'm sorry we'll do this again i like doing this i think caller roulette's kind of fun life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you so long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Hello, my name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer right over there. A lot of chatter that Ben Carson could be the front runner to be Donald Trump's running mate. Ben Carson, of course. He's a prominent black conservative in America, retired neurosurgeon. He, I think he ran for president in 2016 and then ended up serving as Donald Trump's um, the, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. I think he served under Biden as well. Um, so there's a lot of chatter that he could be Donald Trump's pick for VP. Does this move the needle for anybody or does this help Donald Trump in any way? These are the questions. Now, you got to weigh out the pros and the cons here. The pros, Ben Carson's not going to be a hot take machine. He's not going to be controversial. You don't have to worry about him saying something incredibly stupid to the press. That's not who Ben Carson is. He's going to be the even keel guy to Donald yeah. Trump. But the bad news is, does he help Donald Trump in any way? Because when I look at the issues that Trump's campaign is going to face, I think number one is going to be women and abortion. Hmm. Because the Republicans are getting beat up on both of those areas, especially abortion. Take your personal feelings about abortion out of the situation here. This isn't about what you feel is right or wrong. The polling, the data, and the elections so far where abortion has been on the ballot, have not gone the way of the Republicans. So I don't know if this, if it's true, and who knows, it might be crap, but if it is indeed Ben Carson, does this help you with the biggest problem his campaign's going to face, ad after ad after ad, about Roe versus Wade? Well, look, something the pro-life people need to understand is that abortion is still available in this country. Democrats are screaming about Roe v. Wade. Um, abortion is still widely available in this country. To, to, to uh, Not so much here in India. I know they're tied up in court cases and things like that, the decision. Um, but the Democrats are going to keep harping on it. And yeah, it's going to be a problem for um, Donald Trump. For and sure. if you're somebody that doesn't follow the news cycle as closely as we all do, you're going to 
get hit over the head with all these commercials, and you're going to think that Donald Trump single-handedly told women you can't have abortions, because that's the way it's going to be presented and rolled out to the masses. I mean, he did install several conservative judges into the Supreme Court, and look, Roe v. Wade was a bad law. Um, there's no question about it, but but I think Republicans, to answer your question and to answer that accusation, it's like, look, it's states' rights. We, we, we got Roe v. Wade overturned. It should be a states' rights law. That's so, how you answer that. It's just like, look, it's, it's, it's up to the states. And this is going to be a big topic for... 2024's election once we get through the primary season. Once it becomes official, Donald Trump v. Joe Biden, and ads are coming out, and radio commercials are out there, and your social media feed is flooded with all these influencers and endorsements and all this kind of stuff, abortion is going to be the number one thing for the Democrats because they feel like they can win on it. And I just don't know if Ben Carson is the guy that can take a little grief off of Trump. That's why I thought a woman made sense. I know the Republicans are not the party of identity politics, but when you look at the biggest weakness that Trump's going to have, I think maybe Christy Nome or somebody like that makes a little bit more sense. But we always do this. We always talk about the vice presidential yeah, candidate. I don't know how much it matters. It really. never matters, right? And, to, and, and Ben Carson, I, like I love Tim Scott. I would have liked to see Tim Scott be a candidate, but I think he's too, his, his profile is too high for Donald Trump to be a VP pick. Ben Carson's much more subdued, laid back guy that's going to um, balance out. The, yes, you've got a nice mellow balance on yes. one side. And you've got porn star horse face <laughs> on the other. Uh, the latest on Iran, uh, Joe Biden spoke to uh, the press a little bit today. Uh, had a couple press conferences with the chopper going in the background. No way. Also had some campaign stumps. He's actually out. Believe it or not, they propped up Joe Biden and he's talking about Iran. I don't think we need a wider war in the Middle East. That's not what I'm looking for. Not looking for a wider war in the Middle East. I mean, telegraphing to Iran pretty much, hey, um, look, we don't want war with you guys, so keep doing what you're doing. Right. Like Instead of saying something like, to the effect of, we got a lot of options on the table right now. I don't know which direction we're going. We're discussing that. There's all options are on the table. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't want war. No. And then he was asked, I believe this was also the same chopper presser, uh, if Iran was responsible for the deaths of those three Americans in Jordan. I do hold responsible in the sense of supplying the weapons to the people of Jordan. So, yes. The answer should have been yes. He said, I hold them responsible for supplying weapons that ultimately led to this. So, just say Yes. Just say yes, but Joe Biden's not going to do that because for whatever reason, him and his old Euchre partner, Barack Hussein Obama, they love, they can't get enough of the Iranians. Take this pallet full of cash. <laughs> Take this six billion bucks. I know you're the world's largest state sponsor of terror, but what could possibly go wrong? Side note, there is a, you know, a dignified transfer ceremony at Dover. Uh, Joe Biden will be there. What are the chances that he's looking at his watch at any point during this dignified transfer of the three soldiers that died. There's no way he can do that again. Like, I know his staff is probably not, you know, comfortable telling him what to do because he's also a senile old man. He's not going to listen anyway. 
But this is the one request. You can't make the same mistake here that you did when you were dealing with the bodies of those coming home from Afghanistan. Yes. Absolutely not. That would be unacceptable. Uh, switching gears completely with Valentine's Day right around the corner. Allison, can I get some mood music, please? this on the bear oh yeah new hit country back in the day by the way martina mcbride still hot beautiful voice still hot um according to a new survey 92 percent it's a big number 92 percent of americans would prefer treats like chocolates or candy to flowers on valentine's day 92 percent do you buy that big of a number nige I think my wife would rather have flowers. She would get mad at me for spending the money on the flowers on Valentine's Day. But I, I think we're, it's, it's mostly about the kids now. Right. So I, I think probably. So you're in the 8% yeah. then. You're yeah. in the 8% where you feel like the flowers, yeah. you'd rather have those in the house. Yeah, I'm with you. My wife would be like, why did you spend money on Valentine's Day? That could be money we saved up to go to Florida, go to <laughs> Vegas, go do something. You idiot. What are you doing? Um, but 92% would prefer chocolates or something like that. Allison, let me defer to you here. Let's say it's February 14th. You got to knock at the door and there's a delivery man. He's got flowers in one hand, a bunch of sweets and candy and chocolate in the other. Which one do you want? Chocolate. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Uh, great moments in Valentine's Day history. A number of years ago when Ari was still our producer, he took our promotional photo of you and I sitting together, Nige, at a bar. They use that to advertise our show sometimes. Yeah. I think it was taken at Coach's Tavern. Took it to Broad Ripple, showed it to chicks, and asked, would you be willing to let these guys be your Valentines? Take a listen. If these two guys showed up to be your Valentine's Day date, what would your reaction be? What the hell? If these two guys, it's Valentine's Day, showed up at your door and said, we're taking you out for Valentine's Day, what would your reaction be? I'd be surprised. So would you go on a date with them or no? Uh, probably not. Why, why not? What's what? What do you not like about them? No, I just think uh, they're a bit older. They could be my dad. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's the age that's it's doing it for you. It's it, the, what about the faces? On a scale of one to ten, like just Shut their up, faces, are like are they like meh? Or are they like oh, they're not bad? Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Let's hear one more. One more round. If these two guys showed up to your date for Valentine's Day, just knocked on your door, and these were the two guys waiting for you, what would your what would your reaction be? Probably walk away. You got a knock on your door. Your Valentine's Day date showed up, and it's it's these two guys. What would your reaction? Um, probably just sure. I don't, I don't know. Sure. So you'd go on a date with them? Yeah. Hey. Wow. I might as well. What good qualities do you see? They, I don't know. I like the flannel. You know, they look like they have it together. Chicks dig the flannel, nine. Wow. We got ourselves a ball game. All right. One out of 15 ain't bad. We still got it. I think we still got it. 15 no's and a yes is a yes. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah. oh boy, very exciting. 
118 new emojis are coming to iPhones, Hammer, including new foods, new animals, and gender-neutral families. No, nothing. Are you- Nothing. Not okay. Don't care. No. Uh, stop. Stop. How many emojis do you really need? Like, I'm not that big of an emoji guy. I only use the bare minimum. Thumbs up, yeah. thumbs down, and a ha-ha. That's pretty much the I only the, ones that I use. I do the cry-laughing one a lot. The laugh-cry guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, gender-neutral family emoji. <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, who goes out of their way? Like, I'm fine with using the... Uh, you know, I'm a male. My wife is a female. At no point have I ever thought I'm going to express that with an emoji. <laughs> the gender neutral yeah, people you, feel like they have to do that. And my question is why? When you put it like that. Nobody cares. There's too many emojis as is. Again, thumbs up, thumbs down. Once in a while, the exclamation point. That's kind of when I want to give somebody um, a response, but I'm kind of half-ass paying attention. Uh, I, sometimes I use the puke face one, the green puke face. <laughs> okay. Depending on what it is, I will use the um, the beer emoji, like the the uh, uh, glass of beer. Okay. A beer stein. You use a lot more than I do. Yeah. Allison, are you uh, an emoji user? You big emoji gal? I do like emojis, yeah. I feel like uh, I use a lot of what you were saying, and then I also use the one that looks like it's two hands, like a praise. Like praise. Got it. Got it. And I do use- The high five. I, I use the, um, the gifs, the gifs, whatever you call them. I'm a, a big lot gif more, user now. A lot I more am. than I do the emojis to respond to text. What would you say is your signature gif? What's the one that you respond to the most? Um- the hell yeah brother one where uh, Hulk Hogan is playing guitar <laughs> and there's and, like an and American, American flag. flag in the background yes and it just says hell yeah brother so somebody asked me a question I'll respond with hell yeah brother <laughs> Allison what is your go-to gif uh, uh Medea saying hallelujah oh okay <laughs> Tyler Perry yeah Tyler Perry's Medea saying hallelujah Mine is the uh, Michael Bolton character in Office Space, mm-hmm. where he just makes that face where he's just sick of hearing about the Michael Bolton joke it's or a that, case of the Mondays. Yeah, it's that scene in Office Space where the the large lady walks by his cubicle and goes, looks like somebody has a case of the Mondays. And he just, is it that? What, yes. During like, it was this, he, he turns his face and he's got that yeah. scowl on his face. So usually when I receive a stupid story or bad yeah. news or somebody does something dumb, that's my go-to response. All right. A former warehouse worker in England was able to leave his job and become an... Elvis impersonator for $500 a night after his friend snuck a talent agent a video of his p- performance. So here is Danny doing his impression of Elvis with the song Suspicious Minds. Oh, all right. The quick version. All right. Are you okay with this guy? Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. 500 bucks a night. You get to go up there, sing songs, do Elvis stuff. It still cracks me up, though, that one of the biggest names in Indiana politics, Curtis Hill, yes. <laughs> is an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> and he's not shy about it either. No, no. And let's be honest. You don't see a lot of black guys being Elvis impersonators, nope. especially respected politicians. But the guy running for governor in the state of Indiana, the former <laughs> attorney general, 
He's a badass when it comes to impersonating Elvis. So in honor of that guy's uh, rendition of Suspicious Minds, here are some covers. Covers of Suspicious Minds, Nige. Okay. We're going to start with somebody that I just discovered during the commercial break. So I kind of went down a rabbit hole thinking about Martina McBride, who we talked about earlier. She did a cover of this? Oh, take a listen. When you don't heard the original. What? This, this is an Elvis song, right? Yes, it's like one of the signature songs from Elvis. I don't think I've heard it. I don't know. I, hear, I, have to, I don't know how to respond to that. I don't have to hear That's hear like saying original. I've never heard of Twist and Shout from the Beatles. <laughs> like, you've never even heard of the song, no, Suspicious Minds. No, never. Never. Not until today. I want nothing to do with Elvis. I hate Elvis. Everyone in this room is now dumber. <laughs> Like, this is the original Elvis, right? Never even heard it once. That'd be your telling. This is the first time I'm hearing it right now. That's staggering to me. Maybe I recognize that part right there. This is uh, Blake Shelton, country singer's rendition. Because I love you too much, baby. Okay. I, I, that kind of that that's triggering something in my mind. But the last two weeks, my mind has been blown. Like the fact that you've never heard that before freaks me out. Yeah. Like when Banks closed with Jesse Kelly, it freaks him out. <laughs> and then my wife last week, the crazy coupon lady, she had never had a pop tart heated up in the toaster. What? She would just eat it right out of the package, which is kind of what I do normally, but never. At any point in her life, had she put a Pop-Tart in the toaster until last week. That blew my mind. Uh, do we got time for one more cover? Which one do you want to... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go this ahead. was uh, this No Doubt and no Gwen doubt? Stefani doing uh, that Elvis hit. I've never heard this song. I've, ne- I've never watched an Elvis movie. I've never listened to a full song of Elvis's all the way through. I don't care about Elvis. And I haven't even seen the Elvis movie that won all those awards. So you have not sat through Jailhouse Rock, nope. but you can name every Nickelback song. <laughs> I can name more Nickelback songs than Elvis songs, yes. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel. That's Hammer over there with a special guest on the hotline. Chris Clem is a retired Border Patrol agent, worked 27 years as a Border Patrol agent, and recently penned an op-ed in Newsweek on how to fix the southern border. He joins us now. Chris, let's get right to it. Tell us about this op-ed in Newsweek and why you felt compelled to pen it. Well, I appreciate it, guys. And, uh, you know, the op-ed is something that... uh 
you know, kind of explain something that I've been thinking about for many years and have witnessed it. Uh, as you mentioned, I was a Border Patrol agent for 27 plus years. I was the chief patrol agent of the Yuma sector, deputy chief in El Paso. And I've just seen some things from the ground uh, up perspective, uh, from policymaker perspective. And, and I titled it Tall Fences and Wide Gates. Um, I heard that something similar that used uh, back uh, 2008, uh, the late Senator Fred Thompson referred to that or something like that at a, at a, at a debate. And uh, I said, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And so tall fences is, is, is a secure the border. That's the border security apparatus that has to be in place for us to go any further when it comes down to keeping America safe. And, and the tall fences, you know, that's, that, yeah, that's a wall where it makes sense, like an urban environment where somebody can vanish within seconds. But it's also the technology, the, uh, the infrastructure and the, and the form of roads, um, sensor equipment, cameras, lights, and, and backed by, by good, strong policy. The wide gates is, is, is the lawful pathways that continues to, you know, uh, uh, help America grow and prosper from economic and vitality, you know, bringing in migrants the right way, the lawful pathways, increasing visas, you know, uh, helping honest people, you know, have an opportunity, but still provide consequences to punish those that um, that don't do things the right way. So that's really what the op-ed's about, you know, secure the border, but also let's talk about some uh, some uh, uh, better ways for people to come into the United States. But again, the, the way things are right now at our southern border, we absolutely have to start with the security first. Uh, without the border security, that nothing else matters at this point. So, Chris, when you hear people say, you know, border wall, crazy idea. Donald Trump's idea was never going to work. Border wall costs too much money. What's your response when you hear that? Come down to the border. I'll show you where the wall makes sense and where it works. Look, the Border Patrol has defined the environment, not not politicians, not bureaucrats, not people inside the beltway. But the, the Border Patrol, the men and women actually are doing the job. We, we said, look, we need it in urban environments, most importantly in urban environments, where people can escape and vanish within seconds to minutes. In my op-ed, I use El Paso as an example. I worked there multiple times. We literally have the river within a, a 100 yards of a highway, a high school, downtown, an apartment complex. If we don't have a, a wall or uh, even a double wall at that point, they get away. So we have to have that combine that with the technology. But I'll also say we don't need it out in the middle of nowhere or the middle of like the Big Bend National Park in West Texas where, you know, it is wide open and people can literally walk for days before they can vanish. So, you know, it's that combination of where it makes sense defined by the Border Patrol agents uh, because they're the ones that ultimately need these resources to do the job. But I want to say this. I I, a little timeline. Candidate Trump said build the wall. When he became president, Trump, it was like, okay. This makes sense. It's a wall system, and that was the wall, the physical wall where it makes sense, but the, the technology and, and all the other things I mentioned. And so when that got turned down or got stopped uh, dead in its tracks under this current administration, it was not just the wall. It was everything that came with it, and that really made our vulnerable uh, our borders vulnerable and made our already uh, challenging job as border traders to be that much more uh, difficult. So it caused, yeah. what you're saying, it caused a big ripple effect, uh, what Joe Biden did at the beginning of his presidency. 
Yeah, and it yeah, it absolutely did because it wasn't. It was remember in the first couple hours and first couple days there was executive orders issued by the president that stopped all wall construction, which in, was contracts, which included the technology package. It also he also ended all deportations for the first 100 days. He canceled the policies that we were that were working to uh, close loopholes. So it was it was a big. It wasn't just stopping a wall. It was stopping everything. That really and it, and it was a culmination of at that point in my career, 25 years of progress. I would go, you know, starting under Bill Clinton when I came in, every administration had worked towards making a difference, a better difference at the border. I don't know what happened with this one. And the thing that used to drive me nuts, Chris, is when you would hear. Um detractors come out and say well somebody could climb the wall somebody could get around the wall i don't think the wall was ever meant to be 100 percent foolproof because i don't think anything is 100 percent foolproof but i do think it acts as a deterrent yeah you're absolutely right so we defined the wall or the fence or whatever that whatever word we're going to call it was designed to impede or you know, deten- or excuse me, impede or deny, impede or deny access or control and contain access. That's what it was intended to. But when, but we know that if there's not an agent out there and it's in, in an area where we can't respond to rapidly, then yeah, they could climb over it, but it, but at least they're not, they're being impeded to some extent. So that's where that combination of personnel, infrastructure, and technology work. You put the wall, you have the uh, fiber optic sensors, you have the cameras, so it, it slows somebody down. Because look, there's spots along the southwest border where Highway 2 in Mexico runs up a parallel to our border within 100 yards. So if we don't have something to at least slow it down, to make them go up and over, and then you have the technology that alerts us, then we can respond. So remember, it, it has to work together. And by the way, you have to have agents because all that fancy stuff, the technology, the sensors, cameras, they've never made an arrest. You know, I've never seen a camera, a camera jump off a pole and arrest somebody. It has to be an agent. So we need Border Patrol agents, too. And that's, um, that's something that's taken a big hit under this administration as well. And I take it, I mean, this is an obvious question, Chris. Um, we're talking with Chris Klen, a retired Border Patrol agent, worked for 27 years. I mean, we had over 900,000 uh, engagements uh, with the, uh, illegal immigrants crossing the border and Border Patrol agents uh, through the months of October through December. And I'm not even talking about the gotaways. So the question is, it's it's never been this bad, has it? No, no, it's not. In fact, I mean, I, I can tell you just to kind of, and these are facts, this is an opinion. I mean, in, in fiscal year, federal fiscal year 2022, the Border Patrol had just over 405,000 arrests. In 21, under the new administration, it went up to 1.6 million. In 22, it was 2.2 million. And last year, it was over 3 million. So, and we're seeing this trend line now that just in the first quarter of fiscal year 24, I think the Border Patrol themselves and our parent agency combined, Customs and Border Protection, like 988,000 arrests. And like you said, that doesn't account, account for the gotaways. And for your listeners, gotaways are known entries that we could not resolve. In other words, we saw them on camera or we physically saw them. We just could not make an arrest or we did not send them. They couldn't, we didn't turn them back to, they didn't go back south. So these are people that had gotten in, but we have no idea who they were or, or where they ended up. So again, it's, it's, it's the worst I saw it uh, or I have seen it in my career. And, and look, 
in the early part of my career, it was mainly single adult Mexican nationals that were here for seasonal work. It was almost a cat and mouse game. Some people you caught the next year. It has evolved over the last uh, several decades. But my uh, my last two years when I was the chief patrol agent in Yuma, um, we would have we would have countries. We had 115 different countries in Yuma, Arizona alone that uh, that we arrested, and rarely did Mexico or Central America make my top 10 daily or weekly countries. It was people from all over the world flying into Mexico, making their way to our southern border and coming in illegally, tying the hands of Border Patrol. Um, and that's that's the big concern is these give-ups, these people showing up in these gaps and just turning themselves over, waiting to be caught, is pulling resources, which keeps us from doing our main job of patrolling the border and keeping the bad actors, the potential terrorists, the drug smugglers, keeping that poison out of our communities. We're tied up dealing with, with, you know, stuff that can be controlled by policy and people, you know, and and it just causes a a major impact to our security operations. And that should be first and and foremost uh, uh, coming out of the white house is to secure our border. Chris, we got about a minute left here. A couple quick questions here. Number one, the materials that were going to be used for the border wall and things down at the border, are they still just sitting around? I know those images have been floating around social media for a couple of years. I didn't know if that was true or not. And number two, take me through what these Border Patrol agents are going through. Uh, Their mental well-being, their physical well-being, they've got to just be completely overwhelmed. Yeah, so on the material, yeah, it was sitting there uh, stacked as high as, a, as a, you know, 20 feet high, a prefab steel right next to these gaps that they could just erect that and, and secure it, and we'd have it have the product finished. We had spools and spools of fiber optic cable laying there right there in these marshland areas along the border. Um, it, that was pretty disheartening, knowing you're driving by a mile or, mile or two of, uh, of good 30-foot wall and then a 400-foot gap with the material right there. So... Yeah, it just made it very easy. Um, in, in regards to the, uh, the the mental health and resilience of our workforce, um, the law enforcement profession has taken a hit over the last few years, uh, and also more so than under this administration. And our agents have been pretty much uh, left to do this job with one hand tied behind their back. Uh, we are a resilient bunch. Border agents are resilient. We, we like to say we ride to the sound of gunfire. But when uh, our hands are tied dealing with processing and, and, and doing things that aren't keeping America safe uh, in, in, in that uh, sense. It is very demoralizing, especially when you have a president that you know has, has berated them versus a president that used to champion us. So it does take a big hit. Uh, we had an increase in suicides the last few years, uh, hit a record high back in 22. Very disheartening. But you know, I, I wouldn't say that the border security crisis is, the, is, the contri- is a contributing factor. It wasn't the reason, but obviously there are other other things going on in these agents' lives. But um, when they can't come to work and be satisfied, and you've got other issues facing you, uh, it, it led to a you know kind of a disastrous result. So, you know, hey, you know, law enforcement profession, we're all in this together, and uh, uh, we need to take care of one another. And so we focus on the mental health and well-being. It's okay to not be okay, but you know, we need our clear. Heads, we need to be thinking critically. We don't need to be burdened by unnecessary nonsense like the, the stuff coming out of the White House uh, when it comes to this border. We need to support our border trade and secure our border and keep our country safe. The op-ed is in Newsweek. It's a great read. It's a fascinating read. The title is, I was a Border Patrol agent for 27 years. Here's how we fix the border. Chris Clem. Uh, Chris, we'd love to have you back on the show sometime. Great stuff. And please keep us up to date. You got it. Thank you, gentlemen. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. So earlier, Hammer was making fun of me because I said I could name more Nickelback songs than Elvis songs. And I had never heard of the song. What was it? Suspicious Minds. Yeah, I'd never heard that Elvis Never song even before. heard of it. I don't even know. I forget why we were talking about it. But somebody tweeted us <laughs> uh, an AI version, this AI cover of Elvis and Elton John singing a Nickelback song. It's called Rockstar. <laughs> I, AI is so scary, man. It's freaking me out. Just uh, play a little bit of, of that, if you would, Elvis. I'm That's Elton, I think. Okay. <laughs> Elvis. <laughs> Turn it up a little. Turn it up. I gotta be honest, when I woke up today, I did not think we would have AI Elvis, Elton John, and Nickelback all performing together on this show. Elvis again, turn it up. Posted that on X at Hammer and Nigel. If you want to hear the whole thing, it's pretty impressive. Hey, before we get out of here, again, we got IU uh, pregame coming up. Uh, check out the video from our bowling oh, event. Oh, yes. The yes, charity yes. bowling event. It's posted on the Hammer and Nigel show Facebook, Twitter. I think I shared it as an Instagram story as well. Our video team did a great job yeah. capturing everything that was going on Incredible. that night. Incredible. Uh, do yourself a favor. Check that out. And when we do this event next year, we want you guys to be a part of it. 